for all their flaws, the Jurassic World movies keep pitching us generally interesting ideas that could lead the franchise into some fascinating territory. In Jurassic World, we saw a little bit of nature versus nurture versus capitalist interests, which is the whole reason for the inclusion of the Indominus Rex, with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the new film by J.A. Bayona, taken over from Colin Trevorrow, wants us to look at our broader relationship to the Jurassic series. Now that dinosaurs are here, there are no longer hypothetical questions about how humanity deals with the creatures. We have to adjust, adapt, or allow them to die. They're living, breathing creatures that exist on our planet, and as such, the question remains, does humanity have an obligation to save the creatures from a re-extinction event, or is this perhaps nature's way of course correcting? It's a fascinating question, one the movie even addresses in a handful of moments. Unfortunately, Fallen Kingdom is made up of many other moments, most of which are about as dumb, mean-spirited, regressive, and aggressive as its immediate predecessor. The first issue right off the bat is a lack of interest in the actual discussion of what we just talked about. There are images of news footage, a courtroom scene with deity Jeff Goldblum declaring perhaps nature is once again attempting to horse-correct itself and we should let the dinosaurs die. Before you know it, Bryce Dallas Howard's Claire Williams is meeting up with the secret partner of John Hammond's because these sequels seem intent on smothering that man's legacy, and we're on a race against time to save as many dinosaurs as possible before a volcanic eruption. And I'll say this, it's not every day a messy, bloated blockbuster gets to distinguish its act structure through entirely different genres. Fallen Kingdom director J.A. Biona swings for the fences here, goes wide with a disaster movie, narrows his focus in a claustrophobic thriller set in a boat, and aims for a thrilling haunted house finale that's right in his wheelhouse. It's the rare blockbuster that actually feels more confident as it chugs along, hypothetically anyways, and this should also hypothetically make the storytelling more tight, the pacing more intense, and the action more riveting. And it does, sort of. When Colin Trevorrow originally described this feature as a Spanish horror movie on multiple occasions, it's kind of hard to imagine what that man even like perceived as such an endeavor, but thankfully Bayona knows what he's doing, and he comes to play whenever there's a practical set piece anyway. Sometimes the CG elements and the VFX sequences tend to escape his grasp, so to speak. But in terms of the practical set pieces, there's an outstanding sequence, the gyrosphere submerged underwater that actually pulled my attention back in when I was immediately ready to check out. Bayona plays with framing, lights and shadows in a manner that borderlines on pulpy, and sometimes something truly visceral, even primal at times. He reuses similar tricks in revealing dinosaurs in what are supposed to be horrific moments, often shrouding them in shadows and darkness with momentary flashing light sources revealing the toothy creatures. And you know what? He reuses it a couple times, but it's a different approach to familiar ground, so I'll take it. The much-discussed Haunted House finale comes pretty close to saving the entire movie for me, if only for the film to maneuver some impressive and even expressive camera work. The revelation of this mysterious Indoraptor is handled with the same methods that I described above, utilizing lights and shadows to hide and then present something horrific. And then sadly, for every thrilling or creatively inspired moment, there are another dozen to pull me away from the fleeting entertainment. I should probably devote an entire section to the villains because they're so one-dimensional, but because they're so one-dimensional, I'll keep it brief. They're bad. Okay, let me elaborate. They're terrible. Moving on. Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard are made two of our finest actors working today, and Lord help me, the franchise continues to give them nothing. Pratt's Owen and Howard's Claire remain at romantic odds for reasons that can only be described as, we need conflict here. When the characters do engage in the romantic baggage, it's clear that Owen's just kind of a dick, and the only true love Owen feels is for his pet raptor blue, which is still weird to me, but whatever. And the script needs there to be some semblance of conflict for him before he goes back to the island outside of Claire, I guess, so we need to be reminded, as well as Owen, that he did care about this raptor at one point. 
but it's weird because they never really had a falling out, but I guess we're just going to roll with that anyways, so whatever. The video archive footage of Owen playing with his baby's raptors is kind of impressive and made me wonder if this movie should have been a found footage survival horror film with the documentary crew going to explore the island and Bayona getting to play more with his horror shop so they could shine even brighter here. It also hit me while watching this that Owen's a little too callous about his baby raptors being obliterated by weapons and the even bigger dinosaurs in Jurassic World. Like Those are his buddies. He gives them momentary glances and just returns to the action. Like he didn't just watch one of them get blown up by a rocket launcher. Like, I'm sorry, but fuck that. I guess it wouldn't matter as much if we were supposed to sympathize with these creatures and we're only allowed to as much as the Jurassic movies want us to in individual scenes. And what this rebooted series tells us is that there are good dinosaurs and bad dinosaurs. The bad ones usually are the ones with lots of teeth. The good ones are herbivorous. Until the ones with teeth work with good humans. And then there are the good dinosaurs. And then it's also sad when they die. But it's also a monster movie. But it's also sad when these monsters die. But they're also creatures who deserve to be respected and protected. But they're also scary and uncontrollable. And it's, it's a big issue carrying over from most of the Jurassic Park sequels, especially these last two. And it's honestly maybe the biggest problem the franchise has going forward, apart from, you know, everything else. The Jurassic World series can't decide whether to frame these creatures as gorgeous beasts worth protecting or violent monsters that we should fear. It's a tunnel tightrope that any movie, specifically kaiju films, would have a hard time balancing. And though the dinosaurs are not necessarily kaiju, the franchise attempts to treat them as such. For a good frame of reference, look no further than Gareth Edwards' masterful Godzilla 2014 and how he frames the kaiju as both embodiments of nature and an extension of man's ignorance and destructive tendencies. And while I've noted things I've enjoyed about this, specifically Bayona's use with lights and shadows in the horrific sequences, the major issue for me is, by this point, the aggressive excess and emotional manipulation that completely tune me out of the movie and, along with unearned emotional beats, unfortunately overshadow any minor semblance of enjoyment that I was able to derive from this. Supposedly tragic moments are composed in such exploitative fashion in an attempt to wring out every ounce of attachment the audience has had to this franchise, but the film lingers on these moments too long, like shouting through a megaphone about how sad this all is. I get it. Emotional arm twisting has always been Bayona's weak spot as a director for me, and once again, it's just overpowering here. It's, it's just too much. These creatures are given wondrous glamour shots, such as when Danielle Pineda's character first witnesses a living Brachiosaurus for the first time. Why does it insist on making the other dinosaurs violent monsters? Bayona is capable of pulling it off. Why didn't the script allow him to do so? They're ultimately just larger animals than what we already have on our planet, with asterisks, of course. But why would these creatures spend time fighting one another or chasing humans while lava flows through their forest and the volcanic eruption destroys their island home? It's tone-deaf, idiotic, and actively works against the mythos of Jurassic Park. I also can't imagine that John Hammond would build a dinosaur theme park on top of an active volcano, but what the fuck ever. I still want the nine moments that do work. That third act really does kick in the high gear, and Bayona just clearly had a blast coming up with these camera movements and set pieces. But the writing is so atrocious that I couldn't buy into even the more impressive filmmaking elements. Followed it up with Bayona overextending himself with the emotional beats, and it's a pretty frustrating experience. Bayona's imagery can be striking, often evocative of true horror and tragedy. Sometimes it feels appropriate, but oftentimes it feels like whatever this is. Yeah, against all logic and reason, there's a big budget movie that contains a shot of a T-Rex roaring in front of an exploding volcano. 
and it's somehow not the greatest thing to ever happen to me. Uh, shout out to my Twitter pal, Philip Bastian, for explaining this issue more thoroughly than I ever could. But basically, framing, color grading, use of anamorphic widescreen, diminishes more powerful VFX heaviest shots. And this is where the movie gets away entirely from Bayona, where it's just beyond the point of no return. The more action-heavy, explodey set pieces with volcanoes and helicopters whirling around and everything that you expect out of a very generic summer blockbuster is unfortunately found here. And it really holds the film back from legitimate moments of majesty, awe, and horror. The VFX work is oddly composited during the day, but under the right lighting conditions and specifically the nighttime sequences, the dinosaurs have looked worse. They've certainly looked better, but they've looked worse. And as much as I love Michael Giacchino from time to time, his score here is hilariously overt to the point of inert. It's always stunningly obvious to company moments that come even close to working. He manages to diminish them. It's a real shame that Bayona had to work with one of the worst scripts of the year. The VFX-laden sequences continuously escape his grasp, but elements that are bound by practicality and lighting are worth commending. I'd be happy to see him work on another big movie of this scale again with a different creative team entirely. More works for him than it doesn't. Not so much hashtag Bayona did nothing wrong as much as hashtag Bayona should have saved this movie as opposed to it bringing him down. Fallen Kingdom is still easily superior to Jurassic World. It contains every one of the film's failures along with a set of Bayona's own, but the highs are much higher and there's some genuinely inventive big budget filmmaking from time to time. That's why it's such a disappointment that the rest of the movie brings it all down. It's the, the writing is incomprehensible, characters don't have traits, and the few they do actively work against the stories that we're presented with. A late act twist might be the first time a Trevorrow and Conley script even touches upon trying to tie up thematic arcs, but it's so aggressively manipulative and cynical that it contributes to only bringing down all the other elements that barely worked. There just comes a point where all the good is overwhelmed by the nihilistic cynicism, like a cloud of volcanic ash covering the entirety of Isla Nublar. The park may be gone, but so is the magic.